All right. Cheers. Cheers. I've been uh, actually reading the news, which I tend to try not to do all that much. Oh. And you were on the news talking about uh, one of my favorite things going on in Canada right now, the trucker convoy and all the, the freedom freaking convoy. fallout. The freedom convoy. Yeah. So I got lambasted on Twitter when Miss um, Litch, do I pronounce Leech? that right? I think it's Leach. Uh, got rearrested for a breach by attending a gala and shaking hands with one she of the She won an award. Yeah. Whatever. It, it, she, was the, she was the guest of honor because she won the award. Whatever. And then she shook hands with one of the co-accused and did a photo op. And she was uh, put into custody and then um, uh, a bail hearing occurred in front of a, a justice of the peace and she was detained. Now, I just want to say this. I'm not condoning, supporting... I'm not taking a position with respect to what the convoy did. I didn't like their messaging and how it bore itself out. That said, when she was detained at the initial bail hearing, I was like, seriously? Because it's about whether or not you're a threat to the public in a meaningful way. It's more than that. Prior prior to any conviction. Breaching court orders is a bad thing. But we have a presumption of innocence. So even though there's a breach, the presumption of innocence still applies. And you have to look at risk factors. So you look at, you know, are they going to show up to court? Are they going to uh, breach again? And the seriousness and the well, uh, strength and- of the crown. Hang on, the strength of the crown's case. In any event, she's charged with mischief, counseling to commit mischief, and intimidation, and a couple other things. Maximum penalty for mischief is two years less a day. Intimidation, I think, five years. So the whole idea of detaining her in custody. I thought was a complete overreach by the court system and by government. I'm not saying that what happened in Ottawa was good or bad or is horrible for the people who live there. I'm just saying it's complete overreach and there should have been a bail. It went all the way up to a bail review in front of a judge to argue that the Justice of Peace made some errors and she should be released on bail. She spent considerable amount of time, first time she was arrested and now second time. And frankly, there was a legitimate argument made by the defense lawyer on the bail review that she might have spent so much time in custody now that that would be the actual sentence if she was convicted. And so when I had said on Twitter <laughs> that I thought that it was overreach and heavy handed. I just love that you're getting into Twitter now. Yeah, I should. It's such a dangerous it's thing so to do. It's so dangerous. And so it, it's and, like and, a time suck. And, a brain and, it, suck. and it gets people <laughs> who just like, I just wanted a reasonable argument as opposed to like emotion. And, and, and I got just lambasted when I said it's overreach. And, you know, when I was on uh, Global AM640 with John Oakley, who had a very good analysis of this, and he asked me, he goes, you know, Joe, is there like some political underpinnings to this? And I said, there has to be. The veracity with which the government was going to uh, keep her in jail spoke to me about how the government wanted her in jail. This was politics And justified her position. You made a great point about that earlier, that, you know, if you're trying to say that I'm being silenced and my freedom is being uh, infringed upon, uh, if you're released on bail, you don't have much to argue about. Yeah, so when she was released, finally, because I I had said uh, when I was making my comments, she's going to be released by the judge. It's going to happen. She walked out and there was a bit of a fanfare and a bit of a photo op and everything. And, you know, if you want to make a good political move by the government, I'm no politician, but I'm not a moron. Don't feed into the narrative. Right. Because 
there is an underlying current in Canada, and it may be legitimate or not legitimate, about how some people in Canada feel that their liberties have been robbed from them. And this feeds into that narrative where a government overreaches to keep somebody in custody. For Nobody stormed reasons. Parliament. Our political institutions are intact. You know, nothing you know, really bad happened to our government, right? So we're not talking about the extreme risk we have in many other cases in criminal justice system. So I find the overreach to be a bad political statement. You feed into the narrative and you just support the idea that maybe our liberties are being eroded. I, I think they are in certain respects. I, I'm not necessarily aligning myself with this movement and I'm not, but it's a bad, it's a bad political move. It was just dumb. And she should have got bail at the first instance. Let and this play no, out in a trial. There's no evidence she, she even knew that the Cokies was going to be at the event. Even if she did, who f***ing cares? I mean, it was stupid to take a picture. It's not right? like they were planning, you know, you know, the Freedom Convoy 2.0. Right. Who f***ing cares? You it's, shook hands. It's okay, a, it's a breach. Charge her with the breaches. She's got to face the breach. It's a breach of court order. If she's convicted, she'll get jail. But, like, we keep denying, like, holy sh. this was, like, too much. And you feed into that narrative. So Look, with all due respect, I just got to say this. What's that? We have a conservative party leadership race going on right now, okay? Mm. I'm not choosing anybody. But there's clearly a front runner mm -hmm. who is feeding into and has a pulse of people who feel that our liberties are being eroded, right? There's arguments that they are, but... <laughs> no, but there, but do we not have a sense of that? Well, there are people in this country who vote. They're citizens. They feel this is happening, right? They have voices. We don't ignore them. What's great about Canada is that we listen, right? We don't necessarily dismiss or take polar opposites. We don't vilify. We're not supposed to do that. I don't like that. Well, I mean... I just, I have a lot of sympathy because it's like, if you want to voice an opinion, you can either go to the media or you can use social media and you can try to talk yourself. Uh, the media won't interview people of certain opinions and social media will ban you from social media platforms if you express opinions that are not um, approved of. So I, I kind of feel like, like we are at a, a bit of a situation in terms of our freedom of expressing opinions and our openness. Yeah, yeah, here. no, we're censored and, by social media. And there is a bill on the table that's like, you know, that they're trying to, to turn social media into an actual media thing that could be governed by the same rules over media. No, so, I, I agree with you. And I think this there's is some serious concerns. I think this is an important discussion where we talk about freedom of speech. And, and you know, look, I was banned from LinkedIn, LinkedIn from speaking the truth, right? That's more badass than me. I, I, I don't know. But like, you know, so I, I, you know, even if we don't like the speech, I think there's value in the speech. There's value in all of us listening. But you know, sometimes those who are on the fringes who might express a view, we don't like it. Sometimes we have to listen. Counter speech is the most important thing. Dialogue, I think, is very important. I think you know we have had a civil society in Canada and a cohesive system because we listen. You know what annoys me. Is that I don't want to see that people, eroded. People who say that they have the right opinion um, say it's not their job to educate you. Because counter speech is actually the best form of People of who reaction. say they have the absolute right opinion or claim the moral superiority or a bunch of f***ing narcissists. We can tell you they are. Nobody knows that. They say it's not their job to educate you. And I'm just like, actually, if you're an advocate, 
that's precisely your job. Your job is actually to educate people. So <laughs> I was like, but they, they just assume that like, it's a way of getting out of having to make a legitimate counter argument. And, you know, instead of people getting all verklempt, see, I, I know. Oh, so yeah. Nice. <laughs> I like that. And, uh, and then like just crying like words or violence and stuff like that, learn to use words better and then counter speech. Bring evidence, bring facts, bring logical co Let's have a principled dialogue. Coherent, uh, Let's arguments. have a principled dialogue. Let's view out opinions. Let's have a principled dialogue. It will expose those things which are extreme. But in this case, I think the reality is the bail that she was granted was correct. Mm -hmm. We need to be careful about overreach by government and we need to listen more. And I think we need to be careful about um, people thinking that it's okay to use the legal system like a basic thug to silence people that you disagree with. Yeah, I don't I, I, I don't disagree with you. Let's talk about Hockey Canada. They right. have not had a shining couple of the weeks. The biggest scandal in the hockey community ever since they turned the, pub, uh, the puck neon on the screen thinking it would help people watch the game. <laughs> I could follow it then. That lasted for like maybe like two weeks or something and everybody was so, like they went insane. Yeah, I know. That so it was just like, like, I don't think people understand the game unless you make the puck neon and they can see it move around. Yeah, that was an un that was an unfortunate phenomenon, but that, that Bigger didn't last. Bigger scandal now. Yeah, so Hockey Canada has been in the, uh, in the forefront now with the uh, settlement of a sexual assault uh, lawsuit that came out in April where a uh, female complainant alleged she was sexually assaulted by eight unnamed CHL players, including members of the 2017-2018 Canadian Junior World Hockey Team in London, Ontario. How many players do they have on, on... I don't watch hockey a lot. How many, how many players are on the ice on a, on a game? You might know this, Marcy. You mean at one time? Oh, you're, yeah. I'm just wondering if that's more than is actually on the ice. <laughs> eight. It seems like a Six. lot of players. There's six hockey players. Yeah, I know. She's got eight of them all There's at once. There's a goalie, like <laughs> yeah. two defense players, two forwards, and a center. It's Canada. You've got to know this, even though I love basketball. Okay, but what's important is this lawsuit was commenced. There was a complaint that was really not investigated by police, and then there was this law. You know, there's questions about whether Hockey Canada properly investigated this. There's questions about how they used the fund to settle the uh, sexual assault allegation. So everybody found out about this because they had a settlement. Uh, and so That's when the right. settlement went through, then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, this thing happened. But at the same time, when the allegation was made, there was a police investigation going on. So, But it went nowhere. Right. No charges were laid. No charges were and so there's no transparency. But at the same time, I can see, like if you're, if I have a company and there's something going on in my company and, and police are involved, I would actually wait for the police to come to a conclusion before I do anything, because and and I, wouldn't wouldn't you advise somebody if they have an internal investigation to wait until they find out what's happening with police first? Well, you know, if I was counsel to you know uh, the Ho Hockey Canada, I would I would hire an outside law firm to start um, working on an internal investigation. It would not impede the police investigation. And if the police requ required us to stand down, we would do that. I think what's important here, and you know, this is hopefully where people get balance, is that if there is a culture of silence, of not wanting to truly investigate, that has to be exposed. Well, and this is really, I think this is quite pivotal in, in Canada where, where there is going to be some scrutiny because... This is know, our national sport, essentially. Well, lacrosse actually isn't Lacrosse is, sport, but, 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 you know, this is, Nobody this is a very lacrosse. serious parliamentary <laughs> inquiry 
through a standing committee on Canadian heritage into what went on. And it's not about who's the complainant and who are the accused, but it's about the process of Hockey Canada. And and it has to break and the... And their failure to tell certain individuals who were in charge of, you know, like, you know, the Heritage Foundation or whatever it is, like, there was, like, government people who should have been informed. Yeah, so it was all kind of secretive. And so, you know, some people who watch our podcast might, um, might say that, you know, this is a situation where I think, you know, there needs to be transparency and balance. And this is where you truly will see play out. Is there something special about Hockey Canada and these teams where they're going to silence what is a real complaint. And that's bad. That's bad. That can't happen. But on the other hand, what I've seen is that Hockey Canada is saying they're going to take a zero tolerance thing, that there's going to be immediate action before there's any findings of guilt or whatever. And uh, But more concerningly, I'm not sure this, this whole public statement, which I remember reading and thinking, this is horrifying in terms of presumption of, of innocence. But they're now stating that they're going to suspend or um, eject from the league anybody who will not participate and, and, and give a statement, even if it's one of the accused hockey players. Okay, so let's, let's separate this and let's just break this down for a moment. I think what's important to take away from this is, you know, there has been, and, you know, often we say about due process. And so where there is a complaint and, and there's not a legitimate investigation by police, that's something that has to be scrutinized. Two, if it's an organization, they have to investigate and stand down from a police investigation, and there has to be fairness in this process, and it may not have happened. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference in internal investigations and the way the government goes about prosecuting people, where you don't get disclosure. And I've helped people with tribunals in universities, in you know various workplaces, and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is that these third-party investigators are brought in and they are given complete authority to run the investigation in any way they deem appropriate. And they will often refuse to give an accused person the actual statement against them. So you have to, you're compelled in, in order to keep your job or your vocation, your it's ability to play a yeah. sport. If you, if you want to continue doing that, you are compelled to answer questions without ever being told the full accusation against you. And you can't cross-examine the witness. Okay, so let's let's differentiate. So what Diane's talking about is a labor sort of relations, employment-related uh, investigation. So within a corporation like Hockey Canada, there can be an internal investigation. You can request a person who's been accused of some wrongdoing to participate. If they don't participate, it can result in their dismissal. Bye-bye. Right. But it's not very state- strongly worded from what I've seen. That's correct. But it's you not. To, you don't have to answer our questions. But if you don't, your entire career and you're is not gone. entitled to. <laughs> most of the time, you're not entitled to any details of the allegation. But you may get a summary of it. Yeah, okay? a really brief summary. But that you this have is to employment assume law. Is accurate. It's not state action. So this is where we have to be very and not careful. Subject to the constitution. The charter, right? So we have to be very careful about how we delineate this. And why this is so high profile is because it's Hockey Canada and how it went about with public funds to settle a civil action. And there's a lot of conflation here about whose responsibility is to do what. So I think everybody and has to take a step back. And a settlement is not an admission of guilt. Not necessarily. So it's been a rough few weeks for Hockey Canada. 
And I think they've learned from some of these issues, uh, especially about settlements and transparency. But we have to be very careful about protecting due process rights for those who may be involved or, or, or alleged to have participated so, in the allegation. One of the things I noticed is that the, the police investigated and closed the investigation. And, and we then don't know now why. it's reopened. Yeah. So because of the controversy which is going on, the investigation is reopened. And a new investigation has unfolded from a 2003 allegation. From a different team. In Halifax. Yeah, different players. Yeah. Right. Where that's come forward. So this can be good or bad. Again, we take the position that if there's legitimate allegations and it's been covered up or buried, that's wrong. You know, there has to be transparency. There has to be a full so investigation. what about this culture of silence thing? So... Yeah, what does that mean? <coughs> that it assumes guilt, first of all, saying that they're covering up for guilty people. There's well, the association of, is. Yeah, they're saying they're, they're covering up for guilty people, letting them get away with it with impunity and so on. But the reason that you might not want to actually make these things public is because if somebody is being falsely accused, they're going to be pressured out of the sport anyway. Like, there's a reason to protect the privacy in every other and integrity now. of the accused people as well. It's not just like the privacy and, and identity of complainants and so on. But, you know, let's say uh, there's eight accused players. Let's say, let, let's give the benefit of the doubt, we'll split it. Let's say four of them are guilty and four of them are innocent. What about the four innocent guys? Well, you see right now that, that you know, certain players are coming out or former players are coming out with statements saying, I was not there, I was not involved. Right. Precisely because of that pressure. How do you balance this? Because really, this is a I don't know if you're bored about this, but this is really interesting to me because this is a private organization with something which strikes at the heart of Canada. We love our hockey. We produce amazing hockey players like fucking amazing hockey players. Although that, inconsistent, I'm going to say. <laughs> No, they're not. They play for American so teams and they win. For a team no, they play they're for... They're like, awesome, and then all of a sudden they totally forget how to play or something. I just like... No, they don't. The Canucks like, broke my heart. I just I had, to, I had to walk away. Sorry. In any event, we produce outstanding hockey players. And they are in, in, you know, play for American teams, Canadian teams, and we produce outstanding hockey players. And the majority of them are people of character. That said, you know, what does this mean for Hockey Canada? how they handle an allegation, how they handle something with a junior team where people are young and, and how immature. Easy it is, how easy it is for you to lose your entire career just because somebody says something. How do we strike a balance? So we're not, I, I get it, we're running out of time. We're not trying to take one side or the other, but what we're trying to say here is there needs to be balance. This is a very challenging issue and there needs to be fairness to a person who is a victim, if they are, as well as to people who might be implicated. There needs to be balance and we need to be careful because when government gets involved in this type of an analysis, we need to be very careful. And we see that there's now reinitiated police investigations and a new one. So we got to be careful. And to and tie gonna... it back to like we were talking about freedom of speech and stuff like that at the beginning and, and so on, your ability to protest or whatever. But how do you say that is, you know what they do? They say, you don't uh, have to give a statement because your other choice is you could just not play hockey. How is that an option for somebody who's devoted their entire life and their, that's their career? And But they say, well, you're not being compelled because you could just stop playing. Well, but that goes for it's, corporations. It's just ridiculous. But it's not just hockey. 
That plays out in whether you work for a bank or other institutions. That is human resource legislation and laws. I, had to, I, I could see I had that angry look on my face. <laughs> no, but that that's the reality. You're when not it's compelled. Non, when it's, it's non-government. So, it's so disingenuous to me to say that. It, it's like, it just annoys me. I don't know, right. but there's shit that goes on in workplaces. You know, I don't know how you get to it, but so I think we need to, as this unfolds, we want to revisit this and talk about it because I think this is interesting as we do a study analysis really of due process, both in the private sphere, you know, corporations, businesses, public entities, and then what will happen in the criminal context. So but there was somebody charged. Yeah, uh, actually acquitted. So he's a hockey player. And also, before as we go into this, I just want to talk about... Because this, this is going to get me... F there's a phrase that drives me insane. And this is one of the things that I know is going to come up as people talk about Hockey Canada and the culture and the environment and all this other stuff. They say sports is based on toxic masculinity. It breeds toxic masculinity. And that expression, I just want to say, if you hear that expression come up, like that is such a horrible thing to paint this broad brush. It's a myth. Yeah, it's a it myth. is. It really is. It's a stereotypical myth. Just because somebody is good at sports and they, they play an aggressive sport and so on, all of a sudden it's toxic masculinity. So well, a former at least Vancouver it pays Canuck, well, right? millions of dollars to be a toxic man. I, I gotta go. We, we gotta look for the last segment of this podcast. I gotta do this because this, this, this boils over with all the stuff I can't stand about how man we look gets at these acquitted. cases. Man gets acquitted. Hockey player gets acquitted. Celebrity gets acquitted. So a former Vancouver Canuck. It's always a travesty when a man gets acquitted. Has been found not guilty of sexual assault. Okay. Oh, the horror. Some readers may find details in this story disturbing. So this person was acquitted on sexual assault charge. And it shows, this is how it's reported. The high bar set for women who come forward with criminal complaints, lawyers and advocates say. Yeah. You mean? <laughs> lawyers. You mean lawyers proof, proof beyond a reasonable doubt? Lawyers and advocates say, not just advocates, but lawyers say, that an acquittal shows that sexual assault victims, presumed victims, even though he's acquitted, can't get justice in the justice system. A jury of eight men, four women, found this person not guilty following a week-long trial that hinged primarily on different accounts between the athlete and the complainant of a 2017 encounter. Unfortunately, what this trial and this verdict does, it confirms what so many victims are afraid of when they come forward, said somebody. Executive Director of Battered Women's Support Services in Vancouver. At the same time, McDougal said, oh, I said her name. It's amazing how many survivors do actually come forward she to share. She wants her name in the news, that's fine. <laughs> do actually come forward to share their cases and want to give evidence and seek to have the criminal justice system be a measure of justice. The woman who cannot be named due to a publication ban testified during a trial. She verbally and physically resisted this uh person's advances in a hotel room in 2017. The accused unexpectedly took the f***ing stand. Really? I know. I couldn't believe when they said unexpectedly. Dude, we call our clients in every single case. Like over 2,000, 3,000 cases we've defended. I don't think I've ever not called the client except in because, five cases. Because then there's only one version of events. Like... It's, it's called he said, she said and, for a reason. There has to be a he said. The, the person who was acquitted, God forbid, said... Unexpectedly. The complainant never raised any concerns and was enthusiastically a participant. 
There is no corroborating independent evidence of either person. Not required. Right. One of the things that we've seen through this trial is the very high degree of bravery that you have to have if you're a victim of a crime to come forward to testify and give your version of events about everything what happened to you because the difficult difficulty of cross-examination. It's unfortunate that our legal system puts victims through this process. I get what she's saying. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Okay. So, so what she's saying is victims come forward thinking they don't understand the burden of proof, so they're coming forward thinking they'll just be believed. And But then we hear the other thing. The problem is that we hear the other thing in the news all the time, that nobody comes forward because they, they don't believe they're going to be believed. That's why I was confused by it, because there's like... I don't know. It's like there's so many reasons why real victims don't come forward, but um, I don't. I I just don't think that it plays a role in in the way they make their decisions. Okay, so this this is why we're raising this in this segment of our podcast. This brings out all the myths, in my my opinion, about how we should deal with sexual assault cases. Okay, so what this essentially says is because there's an acquittal, the criminal justice system doesn't failed. work. The victim okay and that it's such a high standard to meet such a high bar for conviction yeah 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 because that's a democracy we have proof beyond a reasonable doubt the presumption of innocence that's very important not just a democracy but it it understands because nobody well, a lot a of people a lot of people haven't been to jail so they think it's a timeout like i remember in the Gameshi thing, somebody's saying, oh, that would just be a timeout. They don't understand what the importance of taking somebody's liberty away. Taking somebody's liberty away is a serious thing. Just being charged. Guys who break into tears spending one single night in jail. Just being charged is a life-altering event, okay? Which will never be erased. Because we did a podcast on there's always a record. It doesn't go away. Okay? But here's the thing. This brings out all the badness about this movement. Our criminal justice system is not about victims being able to be believed. Right. We don't have that, and there's good reason for that. We need due process. We need it's about presumption people. of innocence. It's about accused people having the right to... beyond a reasonable to... doubt. Are we, based upon the commentary that came out in this case, are we supposed to create a different standard in sexual assault cases? Okay. High burden for victims of sexual assault to meet. Therefore, we lower the threshold. But in f-ing murder cases, fraud cases, domestic assault cases, it's proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Is that what we're saying? Really? Is that what we're saying? Don't look to the criminal justice system to make you feel good. It's not therapy. It's not therapy. Don't look at the criminal justice system to be a mechanism to just endorse an allegation. I have said this, you've said this a number of times. We do not presume guilt because a we group... We cannot. We, we designed our justice system, which we should be proud of, after learning from the past. We do not presume guilt because of a group of our society says it is so. This is like this is like the, the drowning witch trials or whatever. It really is, right? Like 
you know, you stick them underwater, and if they live, they're a witch, and if they drown, then they were innocent, or whatever. But they're still I think dead. We're beyond, I think no. we're slightly beyond that. But, but my, you know, my it's the same is thing. This. Like this guy's acquitted, and that's apparently that's proof that the justice system doesn't work. It's not proof of innocence. Right? Now, interesting in the, in the, in this case, he's got a civil trial, right? And so she's she's trying to get money out of him as well. Hold on. When did that civil trial commence? So it commenced prior to the criminal um, charges being laid, and the civil trial is still pending because civil trials take a lot longer than criminal trials. Right, but you know this person decided to sue before the criminal case was yeah, made, and it'll be heard on the balance of probabilities. And one of the comments in that article was that victims commonly now turn to the civil balance of probabilities thing in order to get justice. Money. I, I don't think that's common, actually. I don't either, and I think it's, I think it's bullshit. Um, and I think that's that's just. But a he's way got to, money to be obtained. He's got money to pay, so, right? So here, he, this is where I become very skeptical. You know, if you're a victim, you go to the police. You let the criminal process go, and then at the end of the day, if you need compensation because there's all sorts of other issues, yeah, go for it. If if the person's found guilty, knock yourself out. But I don't believe you just sue for money first and then go to the criminal justice system to look to get a lock on your civil case. Again, here's the point. We looked at the Hockey Canada issue and we get that there may be a veneer and there may be some silence and and, and lack of transparency and that needs to be dealt with. But then the other extreme the lack is, of transparency, but I, I think it's I think it's actually legitimate to protect the identity of accused people as well as the identity of Oh complaints. no, I agree with you. I think with with respect to the internal process they used. But but here's my problem. When you look then, because everybody focused on this trial where they were acquitted, this, this gentleman was acquitted. Apparently wrongfully acquitted. Right. And that somehow is a failing of the criminal justice system because the standard's so high. I am going to say this again and again and again. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt is across the criminal justice system for all sorts of charges. Impaired driving, mischief, utter death threats, sexual assault. Assault, attempt murder, murder. Like, that's the standard. We do not lower it because of the gender of a complainant or the nature of an offense. When we get there, we better f***ing move. The issue here is an acquittal means you're f***ing innocent. You're innocent. And that means something. And it should mean something under the law. And we do not reduce the standard of proof beyond a reasonable doubt because of the gender of a complainant male, female, transgender, whatever it is, or the nature of the allegation. Until next time, my cup is empty. Wow. Your cup is full. That's so sad. It's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Not at all. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you like what we're talking about, please like, subscribe, hit share, notifications. hit notification, look at the camera. Leave comments. Is that the camera? Thank you, Max. Leave, leave comments. Our wonderful producer, Marcy, thank you for being here tonight, my lovely wife. Diana, thank you so much for your commentary. McCallan, thank you for being here. We really appreciate you attending. Thank you because you came nice, via a client. That's a thank nice you so scotch. much. Really, thank you very much. And Send us what suggestions is, for topics if you want to. What we love, we're getting so many suggestions and comments. Oh, I'm sorry, I, that one's so big. We're getting so many suggestions and comments and about things people want to hear about. We love it. Please send us more. Send a, you know, send a tweet. Uh, make a comment uh, for our, our presentation on YouTube or send me an email. It's great. Thank and you. We love it. And also, he really likes information about watches. So if you have any really cool things.
things about watches. I'm not endorsing a brand right now, but I do love watches. Yeah, Good night, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>